Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I really have to thank Ed Sanders profusely for inviting me to be on this program with him. And after his uh, moving tribute to Alan, we should just dedicate the whole evening to Alan Ginsberg. We're going to have David Amram for two songs at the end. In the meantime, about 20 poems or less from uh, Far Rockaway of the Heart, the, my new New Directions book. Uh, number two, driving a cardboard automobile without a license at the turn of the century, my father ran into my mother on a fun ride at Coney Island having spied each other eating in a French boarding house nearby, and having decided right there and then that she was for him entirely, he followed her into the playland of that evening where the headlong meeting of their ephemeral flesh on wheels hurtled them forever together. And I, now in the back seat of their eternity, reaching out to embrace them, A native-born New Yorker, I was from the Lower East Side. So, actually, I was born 100 yards north of Van Cortlandt Park, South Yonkers. Number eight. In that hinter, in that hinter nation that stretches westward from Manhattan, autumn finds the natives restless. And we pan down, skimming the landscape as in a low-flying plane with camera eyes zooming in across the iron cities, cement plains, and silted rivers, across Appalachia, across Ohio, first western frontier, and down into it, down into middle America, hinter America, by great lakes, by great lakes yearning, by firelands burning in Indian autumn, red brick mansions moldering among the wooded streets of a hundred winded towns, under the huge sugar maples down the canyons of dying leaves, each a hand letting go. Silos in Shiloh, Hawaii, Ohio, among the rust-colored trees, Holsteins by brown cornfields, stripped in autumn harvest, ground swells of land in, in Amish country, among the limping horse buggies and haunted hayrides in pumpkin time, and out in Indian country, the white man came and taught us how to drink black water in the morning. And now his car, his car culture, barrels through, torn teepees bulldozed out, a tonum or two tilted up as Thomas Alva Edison, born in Milan, Ohio, first sees the light in New Jersey, and bosom buddy Henry Ford moves the light bulb's birthplace, lock, stock, and socket from Menlo Park to Michigan, and drives off 
in a dense cloud of unknowing into a dubious immortality, having sown the iron seeds of Autogeddon. can't compete with Ed as a historian, and I predict he's going to be famous for it. But this is uh, number nine. History is made of the lies of the victors, but you would never dream it from the covers of the textbooks, nor from the way the victors are portrayed as super-benevolent altruists and lovers of the poor and downtrodden who never had a chance to rise up and write their own dubious histories. In the mystery we call history, a river blurred with tears, or a running sea whose fish change color when cast upon the beach. And the filthy rich, the filthy rich get filthier and richer or whatever, because money, money really doesn't trickle down, but rises like anything hot. And they, and they keep getting more medals for bad behavior and for agreeing that, yes, justice has been done. And the stock market is open to everyone. Long live usura. And the jury system is the best ever for preserving the status quota. And in fact, why not have historians who leave blanks in their writings to be filled in variously depending on who's in power? And the computer makes changes easy. In any way, history isn't really history until it's rewritten, <laughs> or at least until it repeats itself. And a lot of genocides and massacres maybe never really happened, so the record should be corrected, like the Holocaust or the rape of Cuba and Nicaragua or Cambodia or Timor, or you name it, even though even God can't change a historical fact, something that's actually happened, like a rape or a kiss. But all those natives in all those third and fourth world ghettos really always wanted to be conquered by Cortez, the prophesied fair-haired god, or by Columbus, the great white hope of Spain and or Italy. And stolen continents weren't really stolen, but were glorious Christian conquests that saved those heathens from themselves, onward Christian soldiers. And on and on into the sunset go the histories about how God was always on our side anyway. And who is more fit to write the story than the victors themselves, who are the fittest, having survived and arrived at the summit of humanity's blind history, where the prizes are awarded to the fittest. And anyway, everyone except Plato knows that truth, beauty, goodness are all relative, especially truth as she is extolled in the history books, amen. Oh, brother, can you spare a dime? <laughs> Number 12. And Pablo Neruda, that Chilean omnivore of poetry, who wanted to put everything in and take nothing out of his Canto General, said to me in Havana Libre Hilton, 1959, 
I love your wide open poetry, by which he meant a certain kind of poesia North Americana and its rebel band who rose over the rooftops of tenement boneyards intent on making out and made out of madness a hundred years of beatitude. So boring, I'm snoring, cried Joe Public before they came along and busted out the sides of Poetry Chicago and various New Yorkerish poet tasters out of their Westchester cradles endlessly rocking on the Times Square shuttle between the Times Book Review and the Algonquin while lady critics and gent professors moaned about poetic pederasts at Columbia. They cruised Times Square and America and cruised into history, waving genitals and manuscripts and tuned their holy unholy voices to a wide open society that didn't yet exist. And so jump started the stalled merry-go-round of American ecstasy left along East River's echoing shores after old Walt stepped off Brooklyn Ferry into the heart of America. So this uh, 101 poems has various sections. This is a section from the quote, literary unquote, literary section. Number 14, the defeated romanticism of T.S. Eliot and his pathetic fallacies haunted my school days. He would not go away. His spent phrases dripped in my inner ear whenever a poet was near. Everyone echoed him, even Anglican preachers, a defrock proof rock and his exhausted libido stalked my boys' school hallways, hand in hand with Mr. Quichotte, the young English tutor. He wore his trousers rolled. Only old graves in first-year Latin would not bow down, sticking to his juvenile and the bucolics. We were sure at night he tippled with Dionysius and flung off his Harris tweed and mounted the lovely housemaid in Honor's cottage, and heard the mermaids singing each to each, and heard them singing to himself, and off and on made faces at a copy of The Wasteland on a very high shelf. Twenty-one. This is from the love poem section. Oh, heart, involuntary muscle. Oh, heart, mute lover without a tongue of your own. I would speak for you whenever you, seeing a certain someone, feel love. Number 25, an obscure composer she was, 
but not so obscure as to compose obscure musics. She composed people instead into amorous clusters at her summer musters at the old homestead so that they fell naturally into each other's armatures. And no harm if yours was among the few that fell further into the too deep grass where swain might meet swain or lad meet lad or lad meet lass. And many were the swain songs as swan met swan and ass ass. from the painting section, number 37. The party, the party hoppers, wolfing down the wine and cheese without a glance at what might be considered art, at all those Thursday evening openings in San Francisco galleries, and the critics and the crickets and the singles out to score, and the docents of the donor classes sheathed in silk and Christian Dior, holding long-stemmed glasses, with the tide of tinkled voices rising, and the painter to one side apprising the whole uprising, as if from a most distant shore, and saying over to himself, is this what I am painting for? No wonder then that he, adrift in this society, doth drink too much and roll upon the floor. Actually, as at a, an exhibition, the poems shouldn't be right up close to each other. There should be a little room, space between the paintings. A little silence between the paintings. Number 45. Oh, you gatherer of the fine ash of poetry, ash of the too white flame of poetry, Consider those who have burned before you in the so white fire. Crucible of Keats and Campana, Bruno and Sappho, Rambo and Poe and Corso, and Shelley burning on the beach at Viareggio. And now in the night, in the general conflagration, the white light still consuming us, small clowns with our little tapers held to the flame. Number 51 is Mozart, the dance of the mind. The dance of the mind through Mozart's wind concertos with only one part, 
of the flashing brain, illuminated at any one time, and then at the very ending, as at the climax of a living theater play, the whole astounding head seen for the first time, the movements turning together as inside a crystal clock, enmeshed in a great crescendo, as if all the piercing insights of an impassioned lifetime now sang together in one great lyric breakthrough into inner space. Beethoven, number 53. Death comes on like a Beethoven concerto. The composer himself on the stand with both arms extended to his own skies. The deep heaven of his orchestra driven to escape that absolute silence which he knows will come with the last movement. And he raises his shaggy mane and shakes his hoary locks and all falls deafening upon him in the final unheard chord. <laughs> Number 54. I ring the neck of the swan, the horn of the old-fashioned wind-up phonograph. I ring the neck of nostalgia, but the throaty voice keeps coming out eternal in that smoky jazz cave under the De Magot Saint-Germain midnight and Piaf singing in her Parigot Argo, Je ne regrette rien, je ne regrette rien. The orphan's eyes, the black short dress, the huskless voice, made of smoke and perno, the mask of her face fallen out of darkness. The Italian section. Number 59, Naples much stolen from Pier Paolo Pasolini, this poem. You should read Pasolini's uh, Poemi Romani. He was a poet before, he was a filmmaker and was a poet all his life. Number 59. The vast port sways with creaking cordage, lost among outcries of evening, and the million eyes of autos in the resounding city. Lush Sicilian Madonna with lip-hung cigarette, flesh octopus with raucous laugh, hangs out a glassless window in the dark cave of a Genovese alley. A debased heat flows from the iron arms of the city, flooding up through flesh to the rouged nipples, and myriad men in the eternal night with limp cocks and unfed hearts, stagger away through the centuries. Number 61, Rome, made of flesh and stone, 
madness and misery, laughter and forgetting. In the shadow of its night streets sleeps the old dream. Light out of night, the sun bursts forth over the Piazza del Popolo. Number 72, the long boats sail into the night. Farewell. <laughs> Number 74, sewing two birds together since neither had sung a deep song in some time, Penelope thought the two white birds, being birds of a feather and sharing the same tongue, might with one tongue create such a strange and beautiful melody that Ulysses, still at sea, would hear it. And the wind of their song would carry him directly ashore. But the two birds needed more than one tongue to rejuvenate their art and to lure Ulysses. And the two tongue-tied birds in her tapestry could only sound a tragic droning, reminiscent of some tyrant talking through a mask. So when despairing late at night, she unraveled her tapestry and freed their tongues, the birds at once burst forth in free speech, and the rare song carried across the sea to the four round corners of the flat earth and the great sound reached Ulysses, who then came cruising in. Yeah, that seems to be quite a travelogue. This is, now we're in Spain. Number 76. In the gardens of the Alhambra, I stole a small orange and ate it, the pulp dry and bitter, and the juice, acrid as an Arab driven from his land, made a desert of my mouth and shriveled up my tongue in the sultan's last revenge. And I fell upon the ground in a deep swoon, deep as the duende in a gypsy's keening. Number 77, they were shooting in the plazas, they were shooting in the calles of Andalusia, they were shooting on the playas, they were shooting by the river, where there was none like you, Menina. Menina, with your longing look, your long yellow traces, Menina, smell of milk and chestnuts among the fireflies, Menina. Among the mulberry trees, parrots shriek in the patio, the cypress trees tremble where they, when they came for you, Menina. They heard you singing then when they shot you down, Menina, and your last loud lament fell into flamenco.
state. A lot, oh, this is a, a far echo of Allen Ginsberg's poem, a, a, a Lion for Real. A lion came to my window and leaped in as I ran out naked, slamming the door of the cabin and closing the window and looking in at the lion. He was trying on my hats and looking in the mirror and browsing on my pot plant. After a while, he lay down with his feet in the air, and I ran off into the world without the baggage of my clothes and my name, and soon developed a long tail, a noble look, and a mane, and a taste for MGM movies. This is a spin-off from William Carlos Williams' Wheelbarrow. Number 85. So much depends upon the very yellow taxicab at six of a rainy morning lighting up a landscape from which we would elope. As it appears at a distant intersection, the very sum of human hope Six. The dog hangs his snout out the auto window. Too long city pent, his nose is out for wild game. His tongue hangs out when he gets the scent of small creatures in the underbrush, for whom every car is a brush with disaster. And the dog feels for them with his so sad eyes, but looks at them through the eyes of his master. Number 89, I saw one of them sleeping, huddled under cardboard by the Church of St. Francis. I saw one of them rousted by the priest. I saw one of them squatting in bushes. I saw another staggering against the plate glass window of a first-class restaurant. I saw one of them in a phone booth, shaking it. I saw one with burlap feet. I saw one in a grocery store come out with a pint. I saw another come out with nothing. I saw another putting a rope through the hoop, through the loops of his pants. I saw one with a bird on his shoulder. I saw one of them singing on the steps of City Hall in this so cool city of love. I saw one of them trying to give a, a lady cop a hug. I saw another sleeping by the Brooklyn Bridge. I saw another standing by the Golden Gate. The view from there was great. <laughs> uh, this is a, a spectacle we often see in San Francisco still, number 91. The Green Street Mortuary Marching Band marches right down Green Street and in 
and turns into Columbus Avenue, where all the cafe sitters at the sidewalk cafe tables sit talking and laughing and looking right through it, as if it happened every day in little old wooden North Beach, San Francisco, but at the same time feeling thrilled by the stirring sound of the gallant marching band, as if it were celebrating life and never heard of death. And right behind it comes the open hearse with a closed casket and the big frame picture under glass propped up showing the patriarch who has just croaked. And now all seven members of the Green Street Mortuary Marching Band with a faded gold braid on their beat-up captain's hats raise their bent axes and start blowing all more or less together and out comes this onward Christian soldiers like you heard it once upon a time only much slower with a dead beat. And now you see all the relatives behind the closed glass windows of the long black cars and their faces are all shiny like they've been weeping with washcloths and all super serious like as if the bottom had just dropped out of their private markets and there's the widow all in weeds and the sister with the bent frame and the mad brother who never got through school and Uncle Louie with the wig. And there they all are, assembled together and facing each other, maybe for the first time in a long time, but their masks and public faces are all in place, and they face outward behind the traveling corpse up ahead, and oompa, oompa goes the band very slow with the trombones and the tuba and the trumpets and the big bass drum, and the corpse hears nothing or everything. And it's a glorious autumn day in Old North Beach. If only could I, he could have lived to see it. Only we wouldn't have had the band, who half an hour later can be seen struggling back silent along the sidewalks, looking like hungover, broken down Irish bartenders dying for a drink or a last hurrah. Suddenly, in the long door of night, fireflies. <laughs> Number 101, the last one. Re wearing, wearing a Polonaire's Derby, I'm in a Zeppelin with a hundred dignitaries in tailcoats from all over the world cruising about looking for a place to declare peace, personal and universal, looking for a soft landing for peace on earth. Gardens are sighted on the horizon and the airship veers in that direction, only to discover there's no airfield and we veer off again. The sky is lit with flares, a man in tails with wings jumps off the Eiffel Tower thinking he's a bird. He plummets straight down in front of his friends. I am a boy picking petals 
of a sunflower in Provence. It's midsummer, a million crickets sound their huge drone in the night. A sunflower leans in a window where I am a boy leaning out. Lulu, Lulu, someone calls. I have picked all the petals, they fall. Lulu, Lulu, who ate you? It is hot in the dark room. There are riots in France and Italy. The Americans killed Sacco and Vanzetti. I saw Lindbergh land. The Zeppelin sails on. There is jazz on the wireless. It's Sidney Bechet, Paris, 1930s. The dignitaries toasting each other in champagne and American cigarettes. The pilot sends a Morse code greeting to a ship at sea. The band plays on. The captain sends back a round of drinks on the house, sailing through the hot night, an endless flight around the world. We gaze out the portals of the crystal gondola at the endless stars. Night reveals the cities of Earth, lit with leftover sun. I am kneeling in short pants in a cathedral somewhere in France. Christ died on Friday and rose on Sunday, setting a world altitude record out of sight in an instant. In the dark firmament, I don't believe a word of it. The wine doesn't taste like blood. The dirigible soars in the summit of heaven. Where will it ever land? The eternal pilot pours over the charts. The dawn is pointing on a lake far below. The wood boats knock together. Life sails on. I am stretched out in a sailing canoe in upstate New York. An eagle soars in the summit of heaven. An opera hat lies on a marble table in the lobby of the Paris Opera. High over the city, a plane searches the sky, making a sound like a gnat. It's a plane, it's a bird. There's a thrill in the air. We are walking down the Avenue de l'Opera. The metro entrance yawns with its art nouveau mouth and swallows us. The Zeppelin flies on into the 21st century. The Zeppelin is life itself. The zone we fly through, endless, without borders, without boundaries. There are no more nations. Migrant populations sweep the earth in search of food and shelter. We throw down our champagne glasses. The TV shows the endless night sky. We are watching an eclipse. The universe endless stretches away in endless night. There must be a place where all is light. Where then, O oh endless one, in endless eternity? Where now? We are heavenly bodies wrapped in time, hurtling through bent space. Flame outs illuminate the landscape. Anyone, I, I have some copies of a, a card with a poem called, a, it's a poem I wrote in Prague called Rivers of Light. And if someone have a copy of that here, I'd like to read it. I gave my last one away. I wrote this in Prague last spring. My Rivers of Light. 
my mind is racing in the middle of the night. My mind races through the darkness around the world, through the darkness of the world, toward a tunnel of light. It races through the night of Prague, through Staramat Square, with its John Hus sculpture, reading, love each other and the truth will triumph. It races on through the night streets, across the Charles Bridge, across the river at the heart of Prague, across the rivers of the world, across the Rhine, across the Rhone, across the Seine, across the Thames, across Atlantic, across Manhattan, across Great Hudson, into the heart of America. My heart is racing now across America, across Old Man River, rolling along. Where is the light? My heart is racing now across terrific Pacific, across the river of yellow lights of Sun Yat-sen, across Gandhi's Ganges, across Euphrates, across the Nile, across the Hellespont, across Tiber, across Arno, across Dante's river sticks, through the medieval darkness, from the heart into the heart of the tunnel of light. My heart and mind are racing now together on the same beat to the same music. It's not the music of Carmina Burana. It's the music of Don Giovanni. It's Mozart's horn concerto. It's the yellow submarine, yellow submarine, yellow submarine. There is a light, there is a sign in the light at the end of the tunnel. I am trying to read it. We are all trying to read it. Dark, dark figures dance in it in the half darkness. Light figures dance in it in the half light. It's uh, a poem that Ed Sanders published in the Woodstock Journal er earlier this year. It's from uh, my next book, uh, which will probably be called Surreal Migrations. Surreal Migrations. Rain is falling on a mirror made of sunshine. Absinthe lover full of absence. Your eyes elsewhere, your hyacinth hair, your naiad air, your fine nude legs in sun, in old Europa. Proust and his Madeleine, Apollinaire's migraine, afternoons on the Grand Jatte, the arrogance of André Breton, little Adolf, little Addie, the house painter with, his, with a toothbrush mustache. Is Paris burning? The Valkyries were singing, I must arise and go now, we'll find a place away. Morning sun with leaves full upon you, dappled darling, the very idea of love, heart shot through with holes, a rain of crystal, a loud silence, a far off singing. Some heard the silence of the sea, some drank Vichy, some were shot running, some were shot against a wall, some burned singing, some sun, eternal firework, sun, the only God remaining, the moon, a crystal mirror, 
eternal deceiver, is love still burning? Dika, darling, Dika, darling, tell me, tell me, love lie with me beyond the sea. The quays, black with voyagers, a crowd flows over London Bridge. Hurry up, please, it's time. The lady with the flaming torch stands upon her little island, having dropped her French accent. Don't give me your homeless jetliners land without folding their wings. In a dense fog, the fog horns still are sounding. At Ambrose Light, the great ships still grope through it. Dika, darling, a crowd flows over Brooklyn Bridge. Hey, taxi!